モーニングプロジェクトプレゼンツ Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the nichiest podcast ever. No, no, see, you, you, can't, you have to say something now because, see, Brian laughed. And、oh. so people are going to think that that was your voice. I'm confused. <laughs> so you have, to, you have to, like, say, introduce yourself now, see.、Uh, oh, now you've frozen me up. I was just expecting <laughs> to say hello. But yeah, I'm good. Happy New Year to both of you since I don't think we've spoken officially. <laughs> When was our last show? It was November 23rd,、yeah. 2012. Yikes. All the way back in November. So it has been a while. But you know, we had the holidays to, to work around. So,、yeah. anyway, welcome back, Anne. Thank you. And that other person who was not Anne is Brian. <laughs> that person right there. Hi, yes, Brian. Yes, the laugher. Yes. <laughs> Hello to both of you. There you go. See, you have to say something that people know your voices. <laughs> Um, so, yes, we are back. And、uh, of course, we are back to talk about niche games. And there have been、um, a lot of those recently. But, real quick, we're going to talk about personal things. And I'm going to put Anne on the spot here because I know that、uh, while typically she lives in a land down under, I believe she took a trip back to her homeworld for the holidays. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're going back. <laughs> It feels like forever well, ago. But yes, I did. I came back to Vermont, the land of my birth. Did you do anything exciting that you can talk about on the podcast while you were back home? Oh, no. Holidays, you know, you just hang around, eat a lot of food, play a few video games. My mom has a Wii U, so we did play that. So I got to experience the Wii U and it crashing and freezing <laughs> many times. It was horrible, <laughs> actually. So I kind of didn't leave with a very good impression. But when it did work,、uh, we played Nintendo Land,、uh, me, Sean, and my mom. And it was quite fun. They, they really hit off with the. It's like a. Oh god, now I can't remember the name of it, but it's a Metroid game, like, kind of like shooting. And、yes. Sean and my mom would play together, and it was the funniest thing. You have to shoot each <laughs> other and, like, you know, collect coins or something, and you shoot the person, and they'll drop their coins, and then you can run up and collect them, and there's a time limit, and whoever has the most coins at the end wins. And they just loved it. So it was quite amusing to see my husband and mom bond over a video game. So it, it definitely, it, the. 
game itself was fun, but when it, the system was freezing at all of the menus and had to restart it, you know, by unplugging it from the wall a good ten times before it would work, then that wow. got a little bad. Mm. Yeah, but apparently it's fixed itself since we left, and she's not having that problem anymore, so I have no idea what it was. Now, we're not going to give her secret identity, but your mom is some sort of game person, right? She is not just a general <laughs> mom. <laughs> well, I don't know if she's much of a game person, but she I uh, can talk about it. She works at IBM and is a kind of manager over there. And one of the projects she led was the Wii U project. And so IBM works on a chip that, you know, is in the Wii U. And so she spent a few years doing that and dealing with Nintendo, and it was very, very cool. She's been to Nintendo headquarters in Kyoto and uh, went to E3 two or three times. Uh, but now she's not really involved in that anymore because the Wii U is out and she's moved on to some other projects. So she doesn't always do very cool things, but every once in a while <laughs> she gets a project like that. So. Well, I was going to say, you, you might not c consider her a gamer, but uh, most moms have never been to E3. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some sort of cred. She's so, so hmm? go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, she has some cool mom cred, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so did you walk away feeling that you wanted to own a Wii U at all? Not at all. Oh. I'm perfectly happy playing it once every couple months at a friend's house or when I go back to the U.S. Uh, they're... I'm not happy with the hardware itself, and um, there aren't any games I'm interested in buying now or in the near future, so I'm perfectly happy with not buying it. And I just heard, maybe today, that Rayman Legends, which is one game that I was looking forward to that was said to be exclusive to the Wii U, is yes. now coming to the Xbox 360 and PS3 sometime this fall, so not even that far away so i'm perfectly even, happy you know not not buying it now <laughs> even worse the the wii u version was supposed to come out next month and they have also delayed that to september oh so no i didn't even get that part of it, yes. so, that it so that it comes out the same time as the xbox and ps3 versions oh that's sad <laughs> and how's that gonna go i wonder <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's really sad because you know that was a game that was unique to the wii u it's coming out at a point mm -hmm. when the wii u hasn't had a lot of games new games since launch um so that was kind of a big deal to have that game coming out and so now it kind of feels like they're almost just I don't want to say sending it to die, but it, it kind yeah. of feels like that the Wii U version is definitely going to be overshadowed by the other two yeah. versions. That's horrible. I didn't. Yeah, I thought they would at least give it a bit of a chance to get ahead on the Wii U first. Yeah. And so. wasn't it already pushed back once? Like it was supposed to be a launch title or very close to launch, like in December, and then they said no February, and to get pushed back again, just. Yeah, yeah. It it it. I don't know if it was December to February or February to March, but it was one of those two. You, you might you might be right, but it yeah. was pushed back just a little bit at yeah. first, and now, and one of the developers from the team um, supposedly, I mean, it's it's pretty certain that it's a person from the team, but not totally confirmed. But they posted mm -hmm. a message today on a message board saying mm -hmm. like how heartbroken they were because the entire team, you know, hadn't seen their families in six months because they were working <laughs> so hard to get the game finished in time for launch. Um, and, you know, they've been putting all of this stuff aside and working, you know, 18-hour days 
and all this. And then they find out today the fact that it's been pushed back now again till September. Yeah. Oh, that's so, horrible. Yeah. So, so unfortunately for the Wii U owners, um, they have one less game to look forward to anytime soon. But, but, Anne, <laughs> who, who, who thinks that she does not want a Wii U, uh, <laughs> Nintendo recently announced a number of games for the Wii U that sound a little exciting. Were, were you not were you not impressed by any of them? Hmm. Because I will remind you, we are getting a brand new 3D Super Mario from the Super Mario 3D Land team. We are getting a brand new Zelda, which I mean, of course, we knew we could be getting it anyway, but. Uh, we are getting an HD version of Wind Waker. That's 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 exciting. Uh, we are getting crazy things like uh, the Shin Megami Tensei versus Fire <laughs> Emblem game. None none of this none of this is making you happy. Is that what you were saying? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Actually, <laughs> the one that I would be most interested in is the one you didn't mention the uh, the one by the Zeno. Oh god, Xenoblade yes. developers, right? Yes. That would yeah. be mono- Monolith Soft, yes. Yeah, Monolith Soft, there you go. That one looks quite interesting, but again, I haven't played uh, Xenoblade yet, so I could probably go a couple of years and, you know, uh, get my Wii U a few years down the track and catch up on everything, and that you know, works out pretty well for me usually. But, you know, I think if they said... Guess what? Bayonetta two is coming out this Christmas. That might be the one. I oh, you know, <laughs> then I'd really rethink it. I think, <laughs> yeah. But Yarn Yoshi also looks very cute. Yes. So there's yes. some, yeah, there are cute, awesome looking things for the system. But I really think they need to fix the hardware itself and get the, you know, the loading times and the crashing, you know, fixed. Um, Brian, do you have any opinions on the Wii U at this point? Yes, a lot. <laughs> um, although I'm, it's funny. I'm in the same boat as Anne in that I don't feel bad at the moment for not owning one, and I have I feel no pressure to buy one anytime soon. Especially since, based on how it's selling, you know, there's no way in hell I'm buying one until the price drops for starters. <laughs> sure. um, but yeah, I mean, I thought I thought the Nintendo Direct was awesome for the most part, and. You know, I think I'm looking forward to most of the games except for Wind Waker, and I'm trying to think of anything else. But <laughs> anyway, you know, X and uh, Yoshi and the um, uh, Fire Emblem crossover, I mean, they all looked awesome to me. So I'm sure by Christmas I'll have one. My my thing is is you know I got a chance to use one we have one at work so I've I've played it and I always feel like Nintendo really puts their heart into their their systems whatever they do you know so it's nothing that I'm saying that like it's a terrible idea but I just when I was playing it I it like when I played the Wii originally it kind of clicked with me it's like okay this is going to be interesting new ways to play games you have the motion controller and all that kind of stuff but I don't know, just playing the Wii U, like, it, it it hasn't grabbed me in any way. And I keep thinking, like, oh, that's kind of neat. But there's never that, oh, I really have to have this kind of feeling there for me. And all these games that I either are already out or are coming out, 
they're all like, oh, if I had a Wii U, I would play that, but it's not a game I want to buy the system for. And I think my problem especially is going to be the fact that, you know, Sony has just announced that they are going to announce the PS4 uh, later this month. And Microsoft's going to announce their new system. So kind of when it comes to new consoles and thinking about buying a new system to set next to my television, um, Nintendo hasn't grabbed me in any way yet. And they don't have much more time to do so. Hmm. Like, like, I just don't, I don't feel like I would ever be in a position where I'd say I want to buy this Wii U instead of buying a PS4 or instead of buying a new Xbox. And so they, they, at this point for me, they, they, they will be the third choice for me, you know? So, so I don't know. I don't know how I get excited about it enough to say, I'm going to go buy a Wii U instead of this other system. But so then in that case, what would they have had to do to have done that, if that makes sense? I, I think with with the Wii, the original Wii, what they did for me was they created something so different that I knew I could not have that experience any other way but the Wii. You know, with like the, you know, I mean, as much as we didn't end up playing it in, in the long run, you know, you had Wii Sports or or Wii Sports. I can't even think of a second <laughs> option now. Um, but, you know, there were all these ideas of like, oh, what could this do? Oh, I can I can play Star Wars and pretend I have a lightsaber, you know, or, or, or whatever it would be. There were all these ideas of, oh, this is what this is going to bring to me. It's kind of like with the, with the DS, original DS. You know, it was all these, oh, what could they do with two screens? And you'd see a game that had two screens and it did something that, that the... PSP or other systems could not even do, you know, and I don't feel like the Wii U is doing anything that other systems can't do because I have, I mean, it's expensive, sure, but I I have my Vita and my PS3 and those can connect together and I'm sure the PS4 will work the same way. So I could kind of get that thing. And then with the Xbox, you have the smart glass where you can use your tablet to connect to the games so it's like i could have those experiences on another system whereas with the wii i knew i would have experiences at least at that point that the xbox and the ps3 neither one could ever give to me okay well i'm going to be devil's advocate here then and okay that kind of suggests that nintendo has to stick to this root of always making a machine that looks, well, I hate to use a cliche, but looks outside the box. I mean, because it's not like Sony or Microsoft tend to do that. They just make more and more powerful machines with fairly standard controllers. So what happens if Nintendo, like, the next time goes the GameCube route and uh, just matches them in power and with with kind of a standard controller... Is that looked upon as a negative or, I mean, do they have to keep doing what they're doing? I think they have to do one or the other. They have to either give us, I mean, this is outside of the hardcore Nintendo people. Yeah. Because obviously they're, they're always going to go for the system. Um, and obviously there is some argument for how good their games are. You know, if I want to play Animal Crossing, I'm only going to get it on a Nintendo system. If I want to play Mario, Zelda, whatever. But I think for the people who necessarily 
aren't drawn to their games because a majority of the time when I own a Nintendo system, I don't play Nintendo's games. Hmm. Um, so for me, I think they either have to give me something nobody else is giving or they have to compete with the other systems. Hmm. And because the Wii U is not competing, I'm, you know, if there's ever an option, like the, the Rayman game you, you mentioned, I would get that, just get that on a different system. And when the next systems come out and we get, you know, Grand Theft Auto V, for example, or or that's not a good example because that'll be on the Xbox 360 and PS3. But if we have games where they're on the new systems and the Wii U, I cannot think of any time I would want the Wii U version because they would they would either be graphically better or the online would be would be better or whatever on the other system. Yeah. So for me personally, it's like Nintendo's games aren't enough for me to get their hardware, so it has to also then be third party. And with their handhelds, the third party offerings are always so plentiful and so interesting that it's worth my time to have that system. Yeah. But like with the Wii U, I I think I owned maybe like five games the entire time that I owned the Wii. And I bought the Wii on launch day. Just because there was so little for me to actually want on that system. Hmm. Although, honestly, I can understand. I mean, like, <laughs> to me, it's weird. Like, I can't imagine buying a Nintendo system, especially a console. Like, if, if I didn't like Nintendo games, there's no way I would buy a Nintendo right. console. Now, a handheld, you're right. The, at least... If you're buying a Japanese one, I don't know about the North American one, but um, I don't know. It's kind of, I'm amazed you would ever buy one, period, if you didn't like their games. Because, I mean, these days it's like all you can really account for. Well, it's in, it's been interesting because I bought the, it's really funny because I, I tend to, for some reason, buy more Nintendo systems on day one than other systems huh. and then not use them. Because <laughs> I bought the N64. The first day it came out, and I bought Mario 64, and I hated it. And then I think for that system, I, I had two wrestling games. I had Harvest Moon and then uh, Snowbo- Snowboard Kids <laughs> and, like, one other game that's all I ever played on it. And then the GameCube I p- bought very, very late, and I think I owned, like, seven or eight games total for that. So, yeah, so I, I'm at the point where, like, why do I keep buying Nintendo consoles when I don't use them? Yeah. That's, like, like what I'm asking myself. And the Nintendo games I do want are also on the 3DS, so I kind of feel like I can get them there. Yeah. Like, I can get Mario Kart there. I can get Animal Crossing there. I can get, hopefully, a Rhythm Heaven there. So that's kind of where I'm feeling now is, like, why I'm not going to rush out and get a Wii U, I think. <laughs> but, but, there for sure are... A number of other games that we are definitely looking forward to, Nintendo system or otherwise. <laughs> um, and there have been a lot of announcements recently about games coming to our shores. So we'll run through these real quick and then uh, any opinions we have, we will talk about. Probably the biggest one is Pandora's Tower, which was the third and final piece of Operation Rainfall, which was the fan community's. Uh, petition to try to get the three big Wii RPGs to come to America. So Exceed released, um, I'm going to screw it up. Is it The Last of Us? No, no, it's not The Last of Us. It's the... Last Story. Last Story. Last story. 
Yes. I knew I was going to screw <laughs> up. Uh, they released the last story last year, and that ended up becoming actually one of XSEED's uh, best-selling games ever for publishing. So they have now announced the, that they will be bringing Pandora's Tower to the Wii uh, in English this year. And uh, XSEED also... Wait, was that XSEED that announced Pandora's Tower? Yep. Okay, that's what I thought, yeah. So... As part of that, was that was were the other games part of that same announcement, or were they separate? No, Pandora's Tower came like a week or two early that they teased it on their Twitter account, and then okay. revealed it, and then they just kind of came out with a big hunk of you know yes. all of these games that they're also going to be doing. I think they wanted to highlight Pandora's Tower specifically, so they did it that yeah. way. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so then Exceed also announced for North American publishing, uh, Rune Factory Four. Which is 3DS, I believe. Yes. Yep. 3DS, okay. Uh, Killer is Dead, which this is the new uh, Suda 51 game, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Anyone? And yes. Um, yeah. For 360 and PS3, I am imagining. Uh, then two two Vita games. Yes, the Vita is still alive and getting games. Uh, <laughs> Valhalla Nights 3, which makes me very excited. And Ease Memories of Celsetta. Uh, the new Ease game, which is a lot of fun. I played it at TGS. And also a little something for the PC people, because Ease 1 and 2 Chronicles is coming to Steam. And in addition to that, Atlas is bringing over two new 3DS games. We're getting Etrian Odyssey 4, which um, was already kind of announced, but we won't talk about it real quick. And uh, Devil Summoner Soul Hackers, which is interesting because... Um, so in 2011, we got an English language version of the PSP release for Persona 2, uh, Innocent Sin. And that game never came out originally. Uh, we got the, the, a, an English version of Eternal Punishment, which was the kind of second half of that game. Um, that came out for PS1 in America back in the day, but we never got Innocent Sin. So it was... 15 some years later that we finally got an official English language release of the first half of Persona 2. And then in 2012, we got an English language release of Monster World 4, which had originally come out on the Mega Drive in Japan, but we never got an English language version for the Genesis over here. So that, again, a game that 15 plus years later finally came out in English and then this year we are getting Devil Summoner Soul Hackers, which is a, the you know another one of these games where 15 plus years later we are finally finally getting an English language version. So yay, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very happy about that. Uh, and we are also getting another 3DS game, and oh, I'm going to screw this up. Who who is the developer of Harmonite? Game Freak. Uh, game, game Freak. Freak yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. This is like the first big non-Pokemon game they've done for a long time. So uh, Harmonite, it's a rhythm slash platformer slash action game that it's coming over to our shores. Um, Tecmo Koei, who is now in charge of the Atadie series, is bringing Atadie Aisha uh, to us in March on the PS3. And this is going to be interesting because it's, 
supposedly from what they've kind of been um, positioning the, the game as, it's a little more of an adult take on the Atelier series. Hmm. Doesn't mean like blood, guts, sex, and gore or anything, but it's the, the characters are a little bit older and the themes might be a little more mature, but we will find out. And finally, last but certainly not least, Axis is bringing over uh, the Vita remake of one of the Wii games I did own, Muramasa the Demon Blade. So, uh, Brian, I'll start with you this time. Um, are there any of these games that you are super duper excited for? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, well... I don't have a Vita, so uh, I, you know, I am like excited about some of them, but I don't have a Vita or a PS3, so I guess I'm not excited about any of those. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> the three 3DS games, um, especially Soul Hackers and Harmony Knight, at this point, would be the two that I'm very interested in. Yes, fine, fine choices. <laughs> uh, and. Well, the one that stands out amongst all of the others would have to be Rune Factory 4 because I've been going on about it for about a year now. And (laughs) (laughs) the sad thing is I haven't even played a Rune Factory game yet. Um, I got Frontier for the Wii while I was in the U.S. and I'm planning to play it beforehand. So I may find out that the Rune Factory series actually sucks and I've been excited (laughs) this whole time over nothing, but for now, I'm very excited for that. (laughs) Now, if if I'm not mistaken, Rune Factory 4 is the one where you can have a, a, it has like a marriage system. I mean, mean, they all have, they they, all have, but it's, you can, you can now like get married to some interesting choices of characters. Uh, that would be correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have a new system where, uh, well, for those that don't know, Rune Factory is kind of a marriage of a regular old RPG with Harvest Moon. So you've got the farming elements of Harvest Moon, but there's also some kind of overarching narrative where you have to go out and fight beasts and, you know, I don't save the kingdom or something. Um but in this one, yeah, some of the enemies you fight and defeat will then turn into human forms of their former selves, and then you can marry them. So there's a very interesting, like, butterfly thing that turns into a cute girl at the end. Uh, there's, a like, a wolf guy. Yeah, some. So they're former monsters, now husbands and wives. Because if, if there is any great way to start your relationship, it is by going out, beating your future mate <laughs> to near near death, and then forcing them to turn into a human being and um, betroth you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, Rune Factory Four. Anything else? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Etrian Odyssey Four is coming up soon, but I'm excited for that. That will also be my first time um, playing a game from that series. And I have mixed feelings about Munamasa because I literally just bought the Wii version. And so now I'm trying to decide whether it's even worth playing the Wii version or whether I should hold out. I mean, the the Vita has so few games as it is. I'm sure it looks great on the Vita, too. So I'm kind of, yeah. I was going to say, if I can give you any advice, I would say wait. Oh, okay. Because it's going to look very pretty on the Vita. And it, it... it's a very like this is a game that really has such a great art style 
and that art style is compromised when you take the Wii and upscale it to an HDTV. Mm, okay, yeah, good advice. So as much no, as it may hurt, I would, I would uh... wait to the Wii version. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, I, I'm really excited about Valhalla Nights 3. I know nearly nobody shares my excitement in this series. Um, but I really liked the first one on PSP. It was an interesting RPG that kind of had some unique takes on the genre. Uh, part two was not terrible, but it wasn't as good as the first. And then the Wii version was a really bad Monster Hunter clone. So I'm kind of hoping that this new Vita version, um, goes back to like the roots of, of what I loved about the Valhalla Knights first game. Mm. And then of course, Soul Hackers, I'm a huge Shin Megami Tensei fan, so, um, or I should say Megami Tensei fan. Uh, you know, and I've, I've wanted to play this game ever since it first came on the PS1 back in the day, so I'm very excited about that. And then I have a really soft spot in my heart for the Atadia games, um, as terrible as they are in some ways. So I'm, I'm hoping Atadia Aisha is, is, is going to be interesting, and I am very much looking forward to the hope of not once again playing as a 14-year-old girl. You know? <laughs> uh, now there I was can... one thing that was horrible about the, the Arwen trilogy was that. <laughs> yes. So, but so, so now, now I can have the mature and adult situation of playing as a 17-year-old girl. <laughs> because that's the way Japanese mentality works. Yes. Um... By the way, can I, kind of, I, I want to jump sure. in one quick... Um, sure. I should have said I'm also looking forward to Pandora's Tower. Although, at this point, I'm worried that I will buy it, and then it will sit unopened for three years until I realize it's never been opened, and then I'll maybe, like, guilt myself into playing it. But anyway, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> have Have you seen the prices of the Blade Chronicles? Yes, and I'm quite happy that I still have my copy, because maybe someday I'll sell it. So buying your copy and sitting, having it sit unopened on your shelf is a good idea. Yes. I wish I hadn't opened Xenoblade, but whatever. Yes. Cause I, I haven't checked um, the last story recently. I wonder what the last story yeah. is. Where, that, where that's at. Well, it's, some of us managed to get last 30. story for $8 new when Amazon, you know, did their little really? pickup. Yes. Right. <laughs> I got tipped off by NeoGAF and for like one day, well, less than a day, they had it for $8, brand new. It's the first printing with the soundtrack wow. CD. And yeah, and everybody flocked to it. And I think it probably sold out in a couple hours. But now oh. it's probably back up to 40 or 50 again. It's, <laughs> it's, curr- it's, it's currently 30. 30. Um, oh, that's not bad. For the, <coughs> sorry, but that, that's for the just. I think it's the non-soundtrack version. Mm. Um, uh, it looks like the soundtrack limited edition last story uh, art book in box with soundtrack is going for seventy-eight dollars. Hmm. So um, that wow, I wish I would have known eight bucks for that. <laughs> yeah, um, but even better is Xenoblade Chronicles. Which is hundred and sixty new, hundred and twenty used. Wow. Oh man. And apparently, get a copy of that. I don't, <laughs> I don't think Nintendo's selling it through its site anymore either. From what the, the what I think actually there was confusion because I think that if you went to Nintendo's site, it actually ordered it through GameStop or something oh. like that. It was a really <laughs> weird situation. Huh. Um. I wonder if. I wonder if let's check real quick. 
Uh, let's see if GameStop actually even has it. Xenoblade Chronicles. Okay, well, they have it. They they say they... No, it's un, un, unavailable online. Okay. Mm. So it's, it's, they have it as 49 new, 59 used, which is interesting. Uh, but it says it's unavailable online, so you'd have to just luck out if somebody near you had it. Mm. So... Mm. So yeah, so if you bought your copy, it's it's a good idea, Brian, to buy your copy and let it sit there <laughs> for these games. That will not be a bad thing to do. Yeah. Um. So uh, one of the games we talked about is Class of Heroes Two. So this was kind of a. It was a kind of an I don't want to say controversial, but kind of a mixed opinions on this game because this is from Gaijin Works, which is the company Victor Ireland recently got going. And of course, Victor Ireland was the infamous head of Working Designs, who for a long time was one of the premier um, publishers of Japanese games in America. And they did a Kickstarter for this game. And it was kind of like a... It felt it felt to me and some of the people like a little bit like a guilt trip. Because they were saying, well, if if you support or, you know, if you like Japanese RPGs, you should support our Kickstarter to bring this game over. You should show your support of Japanese RPGs by giving us money. But Class of Heroes 2 really wasn't the best game to pick to kind of do that thing through. Um, and the Kickstarter ended up failing. And the it was also controversial because they were saying... The game's going to come out anyway, but this Kickstarter is like for physical copies or bonus stuff, you know. But they're going to try once again to do physical copies, and they're saying that if they get 2,500 pre-orders by a certain date, let me see if I can find that date for you, uh, that we will get a physical copy of this game. And part of the thing is it's a PSP release, and releasing <laughs> physical PSP games at this point... Um, Unless you are insane, like, um, oh, I'm trying to think of from Exceed. Exceed still does it, and Axis still does it. But even like Atlas at this point is not really up on releasing many physical PSPs. Um, so it looks like there are just over 1,500 copies reserved. And it says that if we can pre sale at least 2,500 physical copies, with a color manual, UMD, with color disc label, and a, and a digital download code, we can do a physical plus digital combo version for thirty four ninety nine. So that is the good part is, if you want this game and you do want a physical copy, um, if this goes through and they get enough pre-orders and you get your copy, you will also get the code for the digital version, meaning you can play it on your Vita. So that's one of that's one really nice feature for people who really like that that you know, hard copy to put on a shelf, but also want to play on the Vita, you won't, you won't have to buy it twice if this goes through. So. And neither of you care at all, do you? I do. I put it on there. I'm actually <laughs> one of those 1,500 plus people. Oh, you, you did? I did. I, you know what? Is, oh. The funny thing is, um, I love my PSP, and <laughs> uh, Class of Heroes is one of those games that I've asked about like on Twitter, and people have warned me away from it. Um, the first one. And so I was like, uh, you know, I could care less when, when the sequel was announced. But from what I've read, the sequel's better. 
And I don't know. I'm just a sucker for the fact that it's like a limited edition. It's physical. I like physical. You know, I like boxed games, and I don't know. So I'm all in. If if they get it, I'm buying it for thirty five bucks. That's kind of you know. I'm not like, buying it. I'm not buying it. Because you're smart, huh? That's because you're smart. Anyway. Uh, yeah, right. Well, no, actually, Brian might be smart. I mean, if you don't open it, it could be another Xenoblade thing, right? Where it becomes rare, or maybe nobody cares because it's PSP. It's hard to tell, I guess. But I'm not but actually. Think... I'm not hmm? buying it so that it'll go up in value. I know that's even sadder, but it's. I'm not buying it so that it'll go up in value. Oh yeah. Well, then I. I don't know. I can't tell you anything. <laughs> but well, I just. Yeah, the game, I'm not interested in the game, you know, I really didn't like their whole Kickstarter thing and guilting everybody and just the game they picked is like a game that I never had any interest in anyway, so part of me says, well, I want to support them, you know, I like Japanese RPGs, but the other part of me says I'm not going to go out of my way to buy something that I literally have zero interest in just for the principle, you know, so I think I'm going to pass. And the reason I made the joke about being smart and not being smart is because I am actually worse in this situation <laughs> because I, I don't think about buying it just so that I can have it on my shelf and say that I own a physical copy. I would never probably play this game <laughs> in my entire life. But I, too, love my PSP, so it's kind <laughs> of... I do kind of feel that, wow, there's only going to be, you know, 2,500 copies of this game out there. Yeah. And I could have one of them. Yeah. Just in case, you know. Oh, that that's uh, <laughs> kind of no, I hitting at the hate, collector yes. in me. <laughs> I hate that feeling. I hate I hate the collector. I'm trying to not be a collector anymore, but I do uh, get that feeling, you know. Yes. So. So if you're interested, you can go to uh, Gaijin Works, which is G A I J I N W O R K S dot com, uh, and. All you really have to do is just say, this is my email, this is my name, this is how many copies I would buy. So, and you don't really yeah, yeah. Ha technically have an obligation to buy them, do you? No. Well, yeah. I don't think, I think so. I, I, well, okay, you go I, ahead. I was just saying, I think you have a moral obligation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. But you're not like inputting your card details and they'll charge you when it's no. printed or something. No. Yeah. No. You're right. Like, I mean, if they get 2,500, they're expecting 2,500 people want it, and I think they'd be yes. kind of screwed if they didn't. Although, I I feel like okay, I sh I don't know if I should say this because I might be wrong. I feel like if you don't sign up to that way, I th isn't that the only way you're offered to pre-order though? If it actually happens, I um. Or will they just open it up after they've made 2,500? <sighs> I know. See, I shouldn't have said that. This is not a pre-order. It's a way for us to see if we should proceed with the pre-order program. So, so I think that they're going to judge uh, the reception. And if they get 2,500 or more signatures, then what I would say is that they are going to offer those people first chance at the actual pre-ordering of the game. Yeah, probably when they decide to make a physical copy. If they do not hit 2,500, they would say that this is not going to be worth our time to do it. Yeah. So, 
And uh, Europeans can also do this, but you will have to end up paying $10 more for shipping. So let's see what else we have. Uh, <laughs> Nino Kuni. So uh, we have a section called cheerleading on the show, but um, we decided the section is for games that we are specifically cheerleading for. So we'll have a few games that we're going to talk about just out of curiosity to see what our opinions are. And one of them is Nino Kuni. This is a RPG, an RPG that just hit, published by Namco Bandai. And this, of course, is the uh, much publicized collaboration between the infamous anime uh, studio, Studio Ghibli, and Level 5. Level 5, of course, being the development team behind games like Professor Layton, uh, Inazuma 11, and uh, what did they, Dark Cloud? Yeah. Dark Cloud games. They did some of the... They did uh, the Dragon Quest 7? Was that them? One, I thought it was 9. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe... Let me find out. Yeah. Level yeah. 5. Which one did they do? Because I'm not a big Dragon Quest fan, so I'm not sure. Uh, Dragon Quest 8. Oh. <laughs> we're all wrong. They, they, <laughs> yes. We were, none of us were right. They developed for Square Enix. And then um, Rogue Galaxy, they also developed for Sony. So they've done a, quite a number of games. Uh, Jean d'Arc for PSP. Right. No, I didn't um, know they did that. Oh, they did the also, of course, the was it Little Battlers games that are all the Japanese kids are going crazy for or, or not. Um, White Knight Chronicles. So they've done quite a few games. Oh, look, they, they did Dragon Quest Nine as well. <laughs> so I am right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you were right. I was not wrong. I mean, I was not right at all <laughs> in, any, in any way. Um, so uh, I have played this. Which of you two have played this? I have. A bit. I can't talk about it too much, so, but yes, I have. Brian, have you played this at all? No, I want to, no. but no. Okay. So so we won't get too far into it, but just... So there, there, there was a lot of, um, I would say, kind of hype for this, a lot of expectation, a lot of build-up, because it was Studio Ghibli, it was Level 5. Uh, it had a very distinct look. It was a big deal. In Japan, you know, the the... DS game came with a 200-some page hardbound book that you used as part of the game, and then it came out on PS3, which was the that's the weirdest like one-two shot I've ever heard of of being a DS game and a PS3 game. But uh, Anne, what do you think of Nino Kuni? Hmm. Well, as I said, I haven't played that much. I'm literally like two hours in, so <laughs> it's like just enough to see the um opening and sure. run around a little bit but um well, i played the ds version as well not the whole thing um but so the, the the introduction to both of the games is very similar um you know you you start out in the real world and then i don't know if it's a spoiler or not so i won't say what happens but something happens and then you have to go to this alternate world and kind of save the world and all of that um and of course, the animation is beautiful. The the scenes are beautiful, but uh, the gameplay in the PS3 version is, you know, different 
than the DS version because the DS version is very much a you know turn-based RPG, you know, pretty traditional. When the the PS3 version is you're running around kind of in a little arena and it's all real time. Um, I oh, actually I kind of like the pattern. Yeah, they were different. I think hmm. partially because maybe the DS version couldn't handle you running around. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. But it's it's a bit different than a normal um uh like just straight up turn based uh RPG because you have sort of like a front middle and back like uh system and it's really important like for dodging attacks and things. Like well you huh. kind of get that in the in the arena in the PS3 version, but yeah, so like if you can see the boss is going to charge up to use a big attack. Then you have to move everybody to the kind of back um, hmm. plane and stuff like that. But yeah, so as I said, I haven't played enough of the PS3 version to say anything definitive, but I'm not gaga over it. I mean, there are things about it that I like, but I'm not, you know, oh my god, this is the second coming of RPGs or something. <laughs> so I'll be interested to hear what you think, Shidoshi, since you've probably played more than me. I I think it's... If if you're somebody who kind of has been sitting around saying, um, I wish our Japanese RPGs could feel like they used to feel, mm-hmm. then I think that you'll really, really like this game. Because it, it kind of, to me, harkens back to an era that's not around anymore. Uh, an era in storytelling and characters and gameplay. Um, I I I I don't know if I want to go back to those kind of days. So that idea necessarily wasn't exciting to me. But when I actually played Nino Kuni, um, I think the this just the the world is just so wonderful to be in. It's it's there's this like really just like charming kind of atmosphere. It's it's nice to have a game where the main character is just this nice little boy, you know. He's not angsty. He's not troubled. I mean, he, he okay. He is a little bit in a way when you see what happens to him. But overall, he has this really good personality. Everybody likes him. Um, you know, he's not he's not tormented or he's not conflicted by what he has to do. It's just very simple. This is this is a young kid on an adventure trying to trying to do good things. And so I like all of that. The graphics are gorgeous. I mean, this game is so pretty on the PS3. Uh, just to a ridiculous degree. I mean, I, I, I've, ne- you've, I've never seen a game that looks like this, as good as this is. Um, there are other games that maybe look better in different ways with different visual styles. But the way this is trying to be like that, that living anime just looks so, so good and was done so well. Uh, the the problem I have with it is that the, you know this is a collaboration with Studio Ghibli, a studio very well known for being against glorifying violence in their in their movies. Mm-hmm. Um, in everything they almost, I would say everything they've done, you either have stories like Totoro where there's never this kind of drama of, oh, someone's going to get hurt or there's, you know, a bad guy to fight against or, you know, it's, it's, it's more a telling of a life story. Or you have shows like Naushka where you do have quote-unquote good guys and bad guys, but the bad guys kind of, 
you are always shown their perspective mm-hmm. of why they are who they are. And they're they're not usually completely bad guys. It's maybe they're misguided or um you know they're they just don't understand the the uh what will happen from from what they're doing. Uh I'm losing my grasp on English language right now. Uh, <laughs> but like they're never like a glorification of okay, I'm gonna go fight people and and fighting people is good and right and this is how to solve problems. Like violence is, is typically shown to be a negative thing in all of their worlds, if there's violence at all. And I was bothered by the fact that Studio Ghibli has has very rarely really done serious work on video games. They've done character design or animation for a few games previously, but this was like their first really big, we're going to work with Studio Ghibli in a huge way and collaborate with them to make a game. And it disappointed me the fact that for that first game, from a company like Level 5 who should be better at creating unique ideas, we got such a generic RPG from them. Mm. And yeah. I don't like the fact that the game has so much fighting in it. And the, the like, so I, I'm not sure how much of the combat you've seen. Um, and I don't, I don't know how it worked in the DS version, but in the PS3 version, there's like a very high encounter rate, even from the start. So you're getting in fights a lot. And the fights feel to me like just kind of like a, a knockoff of Pokemon because you're collecting all these kind of familiars. And for the main character, at least, the familiars do the fighting he doesn't usually. I mean, he can, but he's, he's, so, he's so weak that it makes more sense to use your familiars and you're constantly having to swap them in and out because your familiars go tired, tired very quickly from fighting. So just like the the game feels so heavily based on combat and everything else in the game I really, really, really enjoy, but then I get into all these fights and it's just like this feels just so uninspired and, and uncreative and like I feel like they could have done so much more. You know, especially from a company who who does make like the latent games, which those are all based around puzzle solving and using your brain and, and really, you know, having this this engrossing story not built around violence but built around making the world that you're in a better place and there are some aspects of that in Nino Kuni and I really wish they would have relied on that completely instead of just going to this very to me generic RPG battle system yeah, so. that's a really good point. Also, I didn't really want... Oh, I wasn't going to bring it up because people have commented and said that I'm being, you know, negative and everything. But since you brought all of this up, I will say also <laughs> that you didn't specifically mention it, but I'm very disappointed that the protagonist is not female. You know, Ghibli is so big on, you know, their female protagonist, the main character, you know, and I really love that about them and the fact that, you know, you could... I mean, it's fine that Oliver is a boy, you know, I, it's not like all my games I need to have female protagonists, but because it's Ghibli, it just feels a bit cheapened to me that they don't have a female main protagonist. Well, I, I would argue that's probably because, I mean, the Ghibli side didn't really work a lot in the storyline, um, and I I I don't want to say offhand that level 5 is, is not really a, a female protagonist supporting kind of company but i get that kind of feeling from them Mm. um but 
there is no reason that you could not have chosen the gender of the main character. Mm. You know, at the very yeah. least, it would have taken very little work, I think. Because it, it's tough because, I mean, some people, on one hand, people will say, well, he's a character, Oliver. That's the main character. This is who he's supposed to be. But my problem is so often, like, from what I've played of the game, I've never felt like this game would be ruined by having a character I could choose. You know, because you have a game like Uncharted where Nathan Drake is half of the game. You know, he's like the Indiana Jones. And if you could just change him to somebody else, maybe the, the game would not be, you know, the game would not be built around this main character. You know, you have Indiana Jones or or John McClane or, or whoever. But you know, then you have like other games where it's just the main characters, who they really, really are doesn't matter. And you could you could have them be male, female, black, white, you know, whatever, and you could have the exact same game. That you know, like Mass Effect proved that as one good example. So I I feel like they could have very easily made the main character be an option, you know, for male or female, and they could have been in the exact same game. Or if it was a game more based around Ghibli writing the story, then I definitely think, you know, having a female character would have been more interesting. Yeah. But. But yeah, it's it's tough because it, I think I think it's a really really wonderful experience for a lot of it. So it's a game I definitely recommend, but it is a game where I think the combat takes away from the good. Not so much that you shouldn't play it, but it's one of those games where I say it's a shame that this game did not have more ambition and drive behind it so that's my big rant about nino <laughs> <laughs> um so let's 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 go to something that we'll we'll have maybe more positive thing to say so on twitter Anne was tweeting these links to these amazingly adorable <laughs> <laughs> outfits in Animal Crossing New Leaf. And I did not know, I, I knew of course there were going to be clothing in this game, but I did not know about this certain aspect. So Anne, tell us about the clothing in Animal Crossing. Okay, well, um, as in previous Animal Crossing games, you can um, edit clothes and signs and things like that. You know, there's a, it uses the uh, touch screen and it's basically like a little grid and you you draw in whatever you like and um in this new version in new leaf there's uh what's it called pro designs i think this is what they're called and they're more advanced versions of the old you know the old one i believe was just one 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 image and then it would just like plaster it over everything right? so you have like yeah, yeah. A, you it, know. it was basically it was basically a, a texture yeah, is, is, yeah. So you'd have a dress for example and then you had a, the you could texture the dress with a certain texture right yeah so this time um they have what are called pro designs which uh, i'm not sure um how many sides i guess it's four maybe i i've never made one myself so i'm not entirely sure how it works but um basically you can do things like dresses and you actually get to design every little angle 
that you could possibly think of. You can do the sleeves from like, you know, the front and then the back and then you do the whole dress all the way around and you can share these designs via QR codes and the Japanese community has just gone crazy with it and they've got blogs and you know with different themes and all these things it's just amazing and I've been sharing it on Twitter and on my blog and yeah it's pretty nuts what <laughs> some people can do you know you get these dresses and it looks like the, you know the dress has is all one you know flat texture but it's got like a camera around her neck and then she's got a little scarf on <laughs> and her dress has little frills on it and i'm just dying i love it <laughs> so, i mean yeah. it's just like yeah it's like i i i knew that the game had the kind of before where you could just put a texture onto a, a you know like a a dress or an umbrella or whatever and it was very simplistic but these are just so awesome and like just they they look when you look at them they look so complex compared to what you're used to and yeah. maybe it's like not but in the, in the overall sense but just like it's so amazing what people are doing with these mm. and i want them i want them all <laughs> <laughs> i do too yeah and you can you can save up to 72 i believe which is very nice so i've wow. been saving lots and lots of things yeah you have like your palette you know that you can bring up in your menu i believe it's the same as the old uh, of wild world where you've got the little uh screen on your touch screen and it shows you the patterns in your current palette but you can also go to the able sisters sewing shop and um save patterns and so you have like your big save window and then you can go switch in and out things that you want to have in your palette and whatever is in your palette is what you can equip you know at the current time but since you can only fit six it's nice that they have the option to save a bunch of um and yeah i've been going nuts you know <laughs> changing my outfit and doing all sorts of things <laughs> you know making <laughs> signs and yeah some just looking at people's towns and seeing you know there is um one where they made their whole town look like a Dragon Quest map, and they cut down all the trees, and, and it, it's just amazing. I can't believe it. There's so much time must go into that because you have to put down every single tile, and they've got tiles that have different designs on them. So yeah, I'm very impressed. It's pretty amazing. But unfortunately, we have a uh, depressing addendum to this, which is <clears throat> a number of games so far. Um, QR codes have not worked cross-region. Yeah. So we have no idea if all these utterly adorable Japanese-created outfits for Animal Crossing are even going to be usable in our version when it comes out in the West. Mm -hmm. And that would be Nintendo, horrible. <laughs> Nintendo, why do you hate me right, so much? Right. I don't understand. <laughs> Just let us have our way. It's just like, yeah. And, and so I was thinking about like why I did this and I'm like, the only like I hate to say it, but part of me is is like I almost wonder if they're like protecting their Japanese players from outsiders. Oh. But you know, and I hate to say that, but it 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 just seems like because I remember they kind of did that with Fantasy Star Online. Mm. Um, you know, other, other times where you'll have like you'll have like the West where Europe and America get get combined on a server, and then you'll have like the Japanese server, mm. you know. And there just seems to be, I don't know, I just kind of wonder if, like, they, they think that, you know, like, us us foreigners are going to screw up Animal Crossing 
by making terrible clothing. <laughs> so they don't want anybody to import our, our, our crappy designs. Right. But, um, All those yeah, sports I said, uniforms. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, we don't want your, your Baltimore Ravens jerseys in our Animal Crossing. Because, um, like, I was, we talked about them on Twitter because I, I think, like, the, the QR codes for the Meads. Like I almost, I almost feel like some of them were were cross region, but others weren't. Mm. I don't know. So, if anybody knows, like, let us know on Twitter that if there are any games out there currently where QR codes can work, you know, cross region. Because what was it? Uh, was it Dempaman that has the QR codes? Yes, and although I did, I think I mentioned it to Anne today. Where. Um, you know, I don't think Nintendo published that in any region, so maybe it's not really their fault, but they definitely don't work. You know, you can't scan a European or Japanese QR code in the American version and get the Dempamin, so I don't know. Hmm. Is there anything, though, regional that is attached to those characters in the game? Like, did it say, like, where you got them from? Um, what do you... Um... Like, 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 let's say, like, you live in New York, and you, you, you scan around, and you find Denpamin. Does it say, like, found in New York or anything? Oh, I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah, and I don't, and I honestly don't know why, except for, like, if they didn't want North Americans to just be able to go online and cheat and download, um, scan all the QR codes from Japan from the start. I don't really, other than that, I don't know what the reason would be to keeping it. Hmm. I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so if it, so if anybody knows, let us know. Um, yeah, now, but I know. It, sorry, just to butt in. Yeah. The, the recent example is the Etrian Odyssey 4 demo just came out today, and there are QR codes for items in that, mm-hmm. and the Japanese ones do not work with the English demo. <laughs> so again, that's not Nintendo, but that's not a good sign either. <laughs> yeah, I, I just like I this this really bothers me so much because. Up until now, like Nintendo's handhelds were never region encoded. Yes, yeah. and th- and there really isn't a good reason for the current 3DS to be region encoded. I mean, yeah, okay, DSi was in a in a little bit of a way, but there were very few DSi games, like specific games. But ah, it just bugs me so much. Yes, <laughs> there's no reason for it. So, Brian, I know you'll be getting Animal Crossing. Yes. I know I'll be getting Animal Crossing, uh, and you already have the Japanese version, but will you be getting a Western version as well? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, still undecided. I don't know if I will have the the juice to go through, to go oh. through doing everything <laughs> again. I don't know. I might have to give it a break for a while. I mean, I'm so engrossed in my coffee now, but I went through a pretty kind of a slump period in December and January and I've only just gotten back into it with all these QR codes and everything so I don't I don't know I mean I love it but I'd like to be able to compare the the localization job with the original actually so I might get it from that perspective this is why I hate importing because people like you import the game first and then by the time us lowly non-importers with <laughs> the game then you're, you're like you're like, I'm done with you. I'm not playing with you guys. I'm moving on now. I've got right. things yeah. to do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on Animal Crossing 2 on the TBS. I don't know what you are doing. Oh. But this but, could, it kind of brings up a good point that we were going to talk about later, I know, with um, digital 3DS games and whether or not yes. you guys are interested in 
going digital for some titles. I mean, I got the limited edition Animal Crossing 3DS, so that came with the digital version, but I'm very much into hard copies, so if I could have, I probably would have bought the hard copy, physical copy, if that makes more sense. But are you either of you two thinking of getting this so you can always have it on your 3DS at all times? Go ahead, Brian. Um, well, I'm slightly embarrassed to say that I'm. there's a little piece of my brain that wants me to buy like a digital copy and a physical copy. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm definitely going to buy a physical copy um, just because I want it. And also, I know that like... For a very long time, that is probably going to be the game I'm going to play for a while. So I don't really, you know, and I, I don't care about switching out cartridges anyway. So yeah, at least a physical copy, but I'm slightly okay with a digital copy in this case. So this is where I'm going to rant again about Nintendo <laughs> because I have to, because th this has been something I've been like really stressing about recently. Um, you know, uh, Anne is in a kind of similar position maybe that I am, that sometimes we get games uh, for work that we play. And the... So I, I have, um, of course, Style Savvy Trendsetters. I have Fire Emblem Awakening. And then one or two other games that I currently all own digital versions of. Because in order... And for the, the, for the benefit of doing a review of them... That's the way they were sent to us because it's much easier and less costly for companies to send you just digital codes versus the actual retail version. So, like I said, I have Style Savvy and Fire Emblem as my two major games on my 3DS that are digital. And on one hand, I do like it. It's very nice. I can just grab my 3DS, take it with me, and know, okay, Style Savvy's on there. Fire Emblem's on there, you know? And I think Animal Crossing as well would be a perfect game for having digitally that way it's just always on there you never have to think about if you have the cartridge with you or taking out what you have in there and putting it in it's just it's right there ready to go it's that kind of game that is you know that you're going to want to have for a long long time versus you buy the game beat it and you're done with it um but i'm also kind of like brian where some of these games i want a physical copy of and the problem I've had is that I got my XL and I've still not used my XL mm -hmm. because I've just been so freaked out about should I move all my stuff to my XL because of Nintendo, of Nintendo only having, you know, that one platform where your content can be on. Mm -hmm. And with Fire Emblem, I've really been thinking about wow, you know, would this play better on the XL versus the 3DS? But the only way for me to find that out would be to just move all my content. And if I decide I made a mistake, it's it's a, a pain in the ass to move it all back. And that will have taken two of my five forever moves. You know, and if I had the cartridge version, I could just take it out of my 3DS, pop it in my XL, and just play it. So it's... It's interesting that there's almost, in a way, more convenience with the physical version versus the digital copy. And there's also the case of, if anything happens to my 3DS, it's a real chore to get myself back. Like, in order for Nintendo to, to let you re-download those games to a new system, you have to give them an actual police report. 
saying that your your DS was stolen. <laughs> so if I, if I just lose it, then what happens? They they might give me the games back. They might not. Mm. And unlike Sony, unlike Microsoft, there's this real unknown about what happens to my digital stuff if anything happens to the one machine it's on. And then kind of like what you're saying, Brian, is you want to have the physical copy and digital copy both. There's no way for you to switch your save game back and forth. Mm, yep. Or even on the Vita, you can now do it if you have uh, PS Plus. So it's like, it's like, it's, we're in a position where both options have some benefits and some, like, negatives. And I just don't know which way I want to go because I do love the convenience of having my games just directly on the system. But part of me is kind of like, I kind of wish I had a physical copy of Style Savvy. I kind of wish I had a physical copy of Fire Emblem. I kind of want that physical copy of Animal Crossing when it comes out. Because if anything happens, I just had that cartridge and put it into another system. You know? So it's tough. Like, like you know, I mean, for, for you, Brian, um, like, if you have to choose one way or the other, do you, do you, do you choose physical? Or, or do you... Are are there games where the digital options would give you enough benefit to go that mm. way? Uh, at this point, the only way I will go digital with Nintendo is if it's the only way, personally. Um, like for all of their eShop games, like a Crimson Shroud or Dempamen or something like that, if I can only get it digitally, that's how I do it. But I right. just because, like you said, it, it is so up in the air as to what will happen it's so hard to to move games from one system to the other that i just refuse to go that route until they fix it until they figure it out personally yeah it's it's tough um so and i mean like you asked this question so like like is it is it do you think for you is it is it case by case or is one clearly the better option versus the other uh, no, I think I'm like both of you guys where it, it sounds like it, you know, if a game is only available digitally and I really do want it, I will buy it digitally. But I think for the most part, I would go with physical copies over digital if I have the choice. I mean, as I said with Animal Crossing, the only reason I got it digitally is it just came that way with this package and I don't care enough to buy another copy of it. So, you know, that's fine. But... I wouldn't make a habit out of buying digitally, I don't think. But I've been on the fence a bit recently because I have my Japanese 3DS and it's much easier to buy a full game on the eShop rather than importing a physical copy and having it shipped to me. It would be cheaper, you know? So yeah. that, that's the other thing. <laughs> like, uh, you know, And all of the games are sitting there on the eShop. So, it, I mean, and even I my... 3DSs are North American 3DSs, so I have to get something shipped from the U.S. too. Yeah. So it's the same case with that, actually, come to think of it. Uh, yeah, and so a game that I really want, it comes out, and, you know, part of me wants to buy it right away on the eShop, but the other part of me is like, you know, hold on. <laughs> First of all, I want it in my collection, and I like physical copies, and then secondly, the issue with transferring and if you lose your system, what happens then? So for the most part, that's I think what, physical, yeah. That's that, that just like really just, I've been, because I've really been thinking about this the past week and that just really starts to scare me is, is 
I I could lose my 3DS and all my games are, could just be gone. And that doesn't exist on my other platforms. If I lose my Vita, I haven't lost all those games. Yeah. You know? And it's just like it's that's starting to worry me. It's like it's like, well, you know, what happens if if you know, my Vita something, I mean, my 3DS something happens to it and then South Savvy is just gone. Fire Emblem is just gone. Art, Art Academy is just gone, you know? And if, I was going to say is, is, you know, for you, Anne, you brought up a great point, is that in your position, it's cheaper to get digital digital versions. And it could be cheap enough that it, it makes it worthwhile to go that route. But, like, for, for Brian and I, paying the exact same price for a digital version and not having that that safety net that like doesn't make very much sense. Yeah. You know, if it was like if it was like a ten dollar difference, then maybe you could argue yeah. it. Yeah. But paying the exact same price that you could pay for a retail box copy with a cartridge, which okay, to be fair, if if you have your three D S and your, your cartridge in it and you know, your three D S gets lost, well then you've lost that game as well. So that that's a fair point. But only one. But there's like <laughs> Right, and there's that kind of just that mental thing about like, well, it's digital, so why why shouldn't I still have this somewhere? So, so it's tough. I don't know because I I I can see it both ways. Like I said, I I could totally see wanting Animal Crossing digitally on my on my machine and just always having it there. But with Nintendo, there's still just too many negatives to the digital side that it's not where it needs to be for me yet. I think. Um, well, Corpse Party, Book of Shadows. Let's talk about this real quick before we get to cheerleading. Um, so, Anne, you've played this. Yep. I've played this. Now, you would also play the first Corpse Party, correct? Now, did you like the first Corpse Party? Yeah, uh, I think I said it was my favorite game of ooh, 2011. Yeah, it was probably oh. one of, if not my favorite, in the top, you know, three. Um, yeah, I quite liked it. Yes, it was my second favorite game of 2011 for me. Uh, Brian, did you ever play Corpse Party? I did, and I liked what I've played of it, but I haven't finished it. <laughs> okay, so. All three of us have played the first Corpse Party. Um, Anne and I especially liked it. So Corpse Party Book of Shadows came out recently. This is not a sequel to Corpse Party necessarily. It is kind of an expansion of the first Corpse Party. Um, what I likened it to is it almost feels like the bonus materials. Because in, in a way it's not actually its own full game. It's kind of giving you a deeper look at the characters that were in the first one. And the first game was uh, based on an original PC game that was had been made in RPG Maker. And so the game still felt kind of, um, I don't want to say indie, but just very, very much like something that had been made in RPG Maker. You know, it, it, it did not feel overly polished or professional. It felt like somebody had this great idea for a story and then used this game maker to kind of work it out. And so it had rudimentary gameplay aspects and you'd move your character around and hit buttons and levers and stuff. 
Um, but the story and the characters and the audio were all just really, really fantastic. But for Book of Shadows, they moved that to the more visual novel style of gameplay. And Anne, what did you think of Book of Shadows? Well, Shidoshi, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I was going to do it in cheerleading, and then we had a bit of a discussion, and I said, well, I don't know if I'm really cheerleading for it, so maybe we shouldn't put it there. <laughs> so that kind of sums up how I feel about it. But, um, yeah, I was really excited when this was announced because I just loved the first one, and I'm excited to see anything that, you know, delves a bit more into the lore of, uh, you know, what happened at the... In the, in the first game and you know uh, this one also will show you events that happened before the events of the original corpse party but help flesh out the characters or will show you like alternate versions of what could have happened just to give you a bit more insight into the characters which I think is definitely a strong point because the characters are really great and um I have a few that I personally really liked, and then the ones that I really didn't like, I like seeing them suffer in different ways. <laughs> That's really morbid, but <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I really didn't like the move away from the kind of RPG maker style of the first one. And it's funny because that was one of my complaints of the first game was that some of those puzzles were just so bogus that, you know, they made me really frustrated. You had to, like... There was one bit with four boards that I remember just agonizing yep. over forever and, yeah, maybe nuts. But looking back on it, like, it wasn't that bad. You know, I'm willing to look at a guide it, 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 to help me through a segment if the overall, you know, um, end product just is, you know, was a good experience. But in the case of Book of Shadows, They've removed all of those elements and added, you know, these little segments where it's, you have to search for something on kind of a flat uh, image and you kind of click around with like a pointer mouse thing and it's just boring and awful and I really didn't like that at all. And even when it's just straight up visual novel, which some of the segments, I think chapter three is all visual novel. I don't yeah. think there was any yeah. Yeah, searching, but that was just... I. Had, I have to admit I was a bit bored, you know, I put it on like kind of just automatic scroll and so I wouldn't have to push X or anything and I was just like <laughs> watching it happen, you know, and reading it and listening to it and the story's interesting and I, as always, I like the characters and I like the atmosphere and the audio, but just sitting there watching it, you know, go by, it just, uh, yeah, it, it lost something, I think, with the move away from the kind of free adventure movement bits of the first one. It's, it's interesting because the way they kind of have it now is, is yeah, like they have this grid of here's, here's a room, here's a room, here's a room, and you can move, you know, room by room by room. But you almost kind of start to feel like you're, you're in the same place the entire time. It's, it's very hard to distinguish like one hallway segment from the next. And when you first start playing, you you feel this need to go to every single segment and look around with the pointer to see if there's any like hidden things. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like it feels like it takes so much work to get to the gameplay that you would call gameplay in, in this in this version. And I kind of also felt just like like it's it's really like I said it's this is feels like to me like bonus materials. It's a really fascinating look at the characters. 
And it's a lot of what-if scenarios. So it's not necessarily you're going back and seeing um, more about the first game. You're you're seeing these... It, it's hard to explain unless you know what happened in the first game and the ending it's based off of. But it's kind of like, okay, you're getting to know the personality of each character more. Um, but <clears throat> some of them just to me weren't really scary and that was the whole point of corpse party was yeah. how, like, how scary it how yeah. scary it was and like the, the first one which follows naomi and seiko which two of my favorite characters from the from the game um like that i really really love that chapter it the gameplay wasn't great but it had two characters and you really got to see more of their relationship and the the ending was very tragic and that was like okay I can I can dig this. I'm not liking the gameplay at this point, but I can dig what this game does. But the further I went on, just some of the chapters I really didn't like. And they're very, very specific in what they're going back and showing you. So you're getting these really small little slivers of storyline for each character um, that that do work to show you more about who they were as people, but they're not always that interesting. And the gameplay is really, really tedious. Yeah. And it, it just kind of felt like what I loved about the first game just kind of was missing here. Yeah, that sums up how I felt pretty well. I think you keep using the term like bonus, and I definitely think it feels more like a traditional fan disc than a full-fledged game. Uh, I mean, it, with, with Otome games in particular and visual novels, so often the creators will release a, a small bit of content afterwards that maybe, like, for uh, Otome game, it'll be like, you know, what happens after the heroine and the, the guy she loves get together, and, you know, you'll see, like, a little snippet of a story, or there'll be some, like, fun content like wallpapers or images and things like that on the disc and right. this definitely feels like that you know like they should i i know they didn't market it as a full sequel but it felt yeah it just didn't feel as full-fledged as i thought it was going to be you know in terms of a follow-up to the first one yep yeah, and and it's um you really, really had to have been a hardcore fan of the first game to appreciate this. Like, yeah. even if you were just kind of a casual fan, I, I don't know that you'll appreciate this because it is what you said. It's, it's a, this is strictly for the fans, just kind of follow-up thing. And um, I don't know, like, like as, just, as somebody who really wanted... I, I felt disappointed in, in just two ways. I felt disappointed as somebody who wanted a new Corpse Party game, but I also felt disappointed as somebody who wanted a better look at those characters just because I think some of the scenarios, like the the one about the teacher, did you get that far? Yeah, yeah, that was chapter three. Yeah, like, like I, I just, I don't, I don't know that, that that really grabbed me, that scenario. Yeah, yeah, I felt that I just, yeah, finished that one the other day and... <laughs> It was like, that was the one where I finally broke down and just put this, you know, scroll text button on and just sat there and watched it happen. And I didn't feel scared. I didn't, you know, I don't particularly have any feelings for that character either. And I just thought it's going on and on, you know, when's this chapter going to end? <laughs> so, yeah, that was disappointing. Yeah, because it's, it's hard to talk about doing spoilers, but it just like for, for what, as a Corpse Party fan, you wanted, they were showing you inside the character that just 
it was like I don't understand why they're even showing me this. Mm. You know, like like they could have done it in a different way that would have been more relevant to what I wanted. So I it was it was it was disappointing to me. Like I I think as a fan, I appreciated it, and I'm kind of glad I played through through it. But it was hard to not be let down by it. Yeah, like which... I said, you you really have to go in thinking it's bonus content and not a new game. Yeah, definitely. I think it's interesting though because I haven't heard anybody be so negative about it except for you and me. I don't know what you're hearing, but I've read reviews and talked to people, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's every you know, it's awesome. Uh, this these bits were scary, and you know, I love the characters. And like, yeah, but it wasn't really that scary. <laughs> it was. It, well, how would you think about chapter three? You like that, you know? <laughs> so I'm surprised <laughs> that the reception has been as positive as it has been. And I, I wonder if part of that is just the fact that, like, there's that kind of, well, I, I love Core Party so much that I want to kind of support this game. And so you're you're kind of easier on it than you maybe should be. Yeah, maybe. You know, I, I don't know. And, and But, there ha- yeah, there haven't been a lot of, like, actual official reviews of it. But I have seen, like, fan comments that were um, much more positive than I than I was expecting. And it's, it's one of those cases where you're like, you know... It, am i wrong you know (laughs) am am i just wrong in my opinion in this case so but i don't know like i'm i'm really glad it came over but i think that just as a visual novel i think i've played games that have been far far better Mm. so and it just it's I'm, i'm i'm excited like i know both of you are excited for the actual corpse party 2 yep yeah you know that one should be a lot better Hopefully. That that's what I'm it's actually okay, it has fourteen reviews now, so I guess it's a high review of a eighty four and a low review of a fifty. So oh, okay. Hmm. Well, then it is officially time for cheerleading and I'm gonna let Brian go first this time. Oh. Well, uh my choice is Tulip for the PS2, which I guess people who've been reading my blog are probably sick of hearing about it. But, um, <laughs> um, and, and it's funny because it is a cheerleading segment. I mean, I really do like the game, but I will admit that there are, I have some negative things to say about it as well. But for the positive, I just have to say I love, I just like weird games anyway. Um, and I just love how, you know, I love the, like, peeking in... Oh, I should probably... Sorry, I'm, like, you know, blathering on about it without explaining it. It's a game that um, you are a boy who has moved to a town, and you're poor, and you have fallen in love with a girl in the town. I don't really know... I'm guessing she's been there a while. Um, and you dream of and want to kiss her and marry her under a tree uh, for some reason. And part of doing, uh, getting to that is you have to raise your, um, oh shit, my brain is frying. <laughs> we have cussing on the show, oh my god. Uh, you have to raise your reputation among the people of the town, and to do that you get to know them and kiss them. Um, and... So basically, you wander about town, and you talk to people, and you get to know them, and you find holes in the ground, and you spy on people who live underground, and 
when they pop out of the ground, you can kiss them if you meet certain circumstances. Um, and I don't know. I just I think what I really like about it is just the it's kind of unsettling and cute at the same time, which seems weird. Um, and I love the like peeking into the ground and seeing there's little uh, stories for each character, um, some of which are really bizarre. Um, anyway, so I like that. I like the music. It's very quirky. I love the graphics. Um, so in a way. I've completely loved it. However, I've reached a point where, like, I feel like I can't play it without turning to a guide constantly, which has kind mm. of turned me off of it. But I still keep going back to it because I want to finish it and I want to see everything it has to offer. But I kind of wish it didn't have some of those elements, if that makes sense. It's 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 very Japanese. <laughs> Like this is a game that just only comes from Japan. Yes, and and when you play, it, you're like, "Yep, this is a very Japanese <laughs> game." Um, but yeah, it's 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 just it's so quirky and and so weird. But I I like like you, I kind of love that kind of thing. Yeah, and I I was really shocked to see this come out on Sony's PS2 download service. But that I think is one of the great things about what they've been doing is they've been really getting like all these really niche or niche however you want to say it <laughs> uh these 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 niche ps2 games you know like they, they could have just gone with just the the very you know common expected kind of releases but yeah. they're getting all of these great um like un underappreciated and kind of rare games and putting them up there for 10 bucks each yeah. and, and i will say i think people like if you're someone who enjoys odd games or are you an open-minded gamer i really think it's a game that should be experienced even though there are flaws to it um i can totally see some people it will just not be a good fit for them because it is so out there and there are just some weird quirks to it that it will piss people off so i don't know but i think if you're at all open-minded i would highly recommend at least giving it a, i mean 10 bucks give it a try play through it i i just don't think it's like a, it's not a kind of game you're going to see again or in i don't know it just uh, it's a completely um it's without peer i guess it I, I can't think of another game that's exactly like it so anyway well and, and you know and it, and it really reminds me of the ps2 just because the ps2 had so many games like this yeah. just these these and that's what i don't know if we talked about it before or not but it's kind of like i think we're almost losing this in a way with the with the new consoles is that you know the the more costly it, it is to make games and the the more that are demanded of games, it's like we miss these chances to have these 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 quirky little projects that just make no sense on paper, you know. And they're just like, let's just try it and see what happens yeah. when we make it. And the the PS2 had so many of those, and and this was a great one. Um, I actually picked it up. I still have my physical copy of it because I picked it up back in the day. And I, I, I've played, I haven't played too far into it, so I, I need, really need to go back one day and, and play it again. It is, it is sexual harassment, the game. Because <laughs> you're going around kissing people. Yes. Yeah, I mean, don't the people asking. object? I mean, they're not all like, oh, yeah, come they, here. Well, <laughs> Are that's they? Actually, no, that's one of the great things about it. Like, if you kiss anyone when they're not ready for it, they will slap you and kill you, basically. Well, I mean... Uh, <laughs> cause damage to you so <laughs> and actually i will say one thing i have to say that i loved about it was i i didn't read much of it like i didn't even really read through the manual before i started playing it i didn't read 
much. I mean, like I knew it was highly regarded online, but I didn't read any real reviews of it. And I loved how I just wasn't aware of some things of the game. Like I was out late at night because it has a 24 hour. Um, I think you go through 24 hours in maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, so, and you can stay out all night. Anyway, um, if you're out past a certain time, I was just coming home one night. And it was like 9 p.m. and I saw this police officer. And when he saw me, he shot me dead. I thought <laughs> I love this game. I just love that you know it's like it kind of looks like Animal Crossing, and then all of a sudden someone shoots you and kills you. So yes. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> that's my three cents. Yes. So Tulip is on your PS3. Download it for ten bucks. Just do it. <laughs> Try it. See what you think of it. Um, and you are going to talk about something uh, we already mentioned called Pandora's Tower. Yep. In honor of its um, U.S. release, I decided, yeah, I would share that today. Um, so I played the European version when it came out, and you'll be getting the exact same version, so they're not doing a new localization, and I'm pretty sure they won't be doing new dubbing either, right? The last story had the European yeah. audio, so... it. You know, it's very nice to hear some non-American voice actors for once. It's very quaint. Yes. Um, but Pandora's Tower is interesting. I've noticed that it's always been kind of considered the runt of the litter in terms of the Operation Rainfall titles. Um, but even though it's an RPG I would, and it does have some similarities to the other two, I think people really need to approach it as just another game that happens to be on the Wii and kind of not compare it automatically to The Last Story or Xenoblade because then you're, you might think that it's the worst. I don't know. I, I haven't played the other two yet, so I can't say for sure. But I love Pandora's Tower. It was in my top games of 2012. And... Um, yeah, so the story is pretty simple. Um, you're this guy, and I can't remember his name, Aaron. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't played it in a while. So, <laughs> um, But he likes this girl who happens to get cursed, and we're not sure why she's cursed, and not exactly sure what the curse is, except for it makes her turn into a horrible monster if she doesn't eat other monsters' flesh. So pretty much the majority of the game is you venturing out to these towers. Uh, I think there are 13 total. And um, you're fighting monsters and making your way up the tower to the big boss monster at the top of the tower who has the best flesh. And you <laughs> kill it down and then you bring it, you know, you slay it and then you rip out, you know, a chunk of it and bring it back to her and she eats it. And it's very strange and morbid in a way and dark. Um, you know, there, when she first has to eat the flesh, she proclaims that I can't do this. You know, I'm a vegetarian for religious reasons, <laughs> but yet she has to eat it anyway. So it's like her like gulping down this big purple blob and <laughs> it's very odd. <laughs> um, and, there's a third character named Magda, I believe, who somehow she knows everything about everything that's going on and will kind of tell you what you should be doing. And she she has this weird old man 
thing strapped to her back, like in her backpack, and he'll proclaim, you know, little exclamations at certain points in the dialogue, but it just comes out as kind of like weird mumbling, like, <laughs> it's just very, very quaint, very silly. I mean, it's not silly. The game's very morbid, actually, but it's just a very interesting game. And as Brian was saying about Tulip, I definitely think there is an, a, another game like Pandora's Tower. Um, the gameplay itself is a lot like, kind of, a, I guess it's a lot like Zelda, even though I don't play a lot of Zelda, but, you know, you're going to the dungeon, and it's, you know, action RPG, and um, Aaron has this chain whip thing, and you actually use the Wiimote, and I know that sounds horrible, but I think they implemented it pretty well, and the motion controls of the Wiimote, so you're grabbing onto enemies, and you can, like, fling them around, or grab an enemy and chain it to a wall and then that will drain its energy and you can attack it with your sword while it's chained up or you, you can just yeah like chain on you're holding one end of the chain and throw you know throw them places or throw them into other enemies and then you also use the chain to traverse up the tower so you'll be you know grappling on the walls and swinging around and jumping and all that stuff so it's very interesting, um, gameplay-wise, and there are dating sim elements to it, <laughs> which I always oh. love. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not really a dating sim because there's only one romantic option, and that's the girl that's you know turning into a monster. But you can like uh, you have a you have a meter like an affection meter, and you can give her presents, and uh, those presents I think you, if I remember correctly, you can purchase them from Magda but or you can also like fuse them or create them using items that you found in the dungeons so you might not necessarily get all the different special items that you can give as presents unless you find the proper materials and things like that but the game actually has different endings based on your affection meter with the girl huh. and you know if you if you give her an ingredient uh, she'll sometimes make you a pie that will then give you like a lot of health or <laughs> you can use it on the battlefield. It's very cute. <laughs> you know, there's a little romance going on. So it, yeah, it's a great game. I really enjoyed it. So definitely recommend it. Yeah. Cause like you said, like this, is this is the one I think out of all three that kind of was like, eh, this is probably the weakest of the three people are asking for, but it sounds very interesting, you know, and it, it's, it's the other two are like very st more straight RPG yeah you know this is a little more like adventure rpg ish from what i understand of it so um no i'm curious i i want i want to I wanna try it I yeah it's very it. i mean i will say the i guess probably the biggest issue some people have had are with the controls um yeah some of the bosses are like really obnoxious and stupid and the you know the pointer you have to kind of point your chain at a specific spot on their body and grapple it and to damage them and that can be really, really irritating. So I won't say it's perfect, but I think the overall experience is worth, you know, having to deal with those annoying boss fights. And it's, you know, not a super long game. I think you can beat it in 15 to 20 hours. So Cool. Yeah. Then I real quick want to talk about Fire Emblem Awakening. Uh, this is the first Fire Emblem I have ever played. I am kind of mixed when it comes to strategy RPGs. Um, I don't dislike them, but the problem I've had is 
you know, I play games like Tactics Ogre or Final Fantasy Tactics, and it's it's these really long, drawn-out fights, and then it's long, drawn-out storyline, <laughs> and then long, drawn-out fight, and then repeat over and over again. And it's a lot of, I'm I'm X from Y Kingdom, and I'm the brother of Z, and we are the sons of, of R, and... Uh, our legacy goes this, this, and we are, you know, uh, from the wars of the ages. And, uh, and, and it's just like, I have no idea what's going on. I know there's the people who are fighting as all I know. You know, I don't, I don't know who's good, who's bad, why this is happening. And a lot of strategy RPGs I've played have just been so heavy into that lore that it, it loses me very quickly. Um, <clears throat> the reason I end up liking games like Fire Emblem is because... Uh, Fire Emblem, every single character you have on your team is somebody. You know, like in Final Fantasy Tactics, you'll have your your main character, um, a few supporting characters that come along the way, and then the rest of your team are typically no names that you create. You know, but in Fire Emblem, everybody has a very distinct personality. Everybody has, uh, you know, this this is I am I am this person. This is my name. This is who I am. You know, I have I have very distinct outfit and very distinct hair, and you will know exactly who I am when you see me. And I have quirks like I I have the scabbiest knees, <laughs> or I, you know, or I am the first to fall asleep at night. Like they have, actually have these little taglines for every character. You know, they really put all this work into making every single character in the game be a character. And the storyline is is I don't want to say simple, but it's just it's 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 kind of Hollywood, you know. Okay, there's these people, they're good. These people that are bad, they're fighting. They'll explain why they're fighting. There's a little bit of, of, of you know, backstory, but it doesn't get just super heavy. And I appreciate that in games like this because the combat can sometimes just be so involving that it's hard to keep, you know, it's hard to keep your, your brain on storyline on one hand and then the, the fighting on the other hand. And at the same time, the, the fighting is is really fun. Um, the combat the combat scenes are never super duper uh, lengthy, and they have a, a nice challenge to them. Um, but one of the trademark things of Fire Emblem was that previously, if a character that you had died in combat, they were gone for the rest of the game. And in this version, you can actually change that. You can change it to a casual mode. So that if your character dies in combat, they'll come back afterwards. So if that kind of scares you off from this series, then you now have no reason to be scared mm-hmm. off. Now, a person like me, um, I chose casual at first, but then I end up just resetting the game anyway if somebody dies. So it doesn't matter. Because yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't like the feeling of not getting through a fight with, with one of my characters having, you know, uh, without all my characters having survived. But... And this is a little embarrassing, but the reason I love this game so much <laughs> is because it encourages you to pair characters up. So um, there was this thing called shipping on the internet, uh, which if you if you do if you are a shipper, that means of course shipping ship comes from relationship, and shipping means that you watch a movie or you 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 watch a television series or you read a story or you play a game and you're like oh i want this character to fall in love with this character and i want you know i want this character to be with that character and and you're you're going through like pairing everybody up this game encourages that and i i hate it because i've never been a shipper typically but all i can think about in this game is who i want to be with. 
That's all I do the entire time. And it's, <coughs> excuse me, it's interesting because, so the game has a marriage system. So character A can get with character B, and then they will actually have a child. And the child will then fight for you on, on your army. Hmm. So there is some amount of, well, who do you want to go with who to make the best baby? It's a little bit weird in that regard because, <laughs> you know, because some people I see online are like, they're like mathematically saying, I'm going to pair this person with this person because they have the best chance to have a good baby, you know? <laughs> and then I play and I'm like, I can't think that way because like, I, I, I want to be just people who would be together who should be together, you know, like <laughs> storyline wise and character wise. And I would want to just pair them together. Um, but because of that, because the marriage system is based so much on babies, um, there is no gay marriage in the game. It is it is strictly straight marriage. And before the game came out, some people were thinking because they said, oh, you can pair characters up with anybody. And that was not the case as far as the marriage goes, but it's, interesting because the game does recognize relationships between same-sex characters it's just that you you can't marry each other um so what it is 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 like when you're when you're in combat if two characters are near each other and if they can have a relationship then if they attack together or if one defends the other one, then after that turn, these little hearts will pop up, meaning that their relationship has kind of improved. So you can specifically say, I want this character and this character to pair up and fight together because that will improve their relationship. And then after the combat, um, as their relationships improve, that'll unlock little scenes of um, them kind of having conversations together and whatnot. So in the game, there's actually a love tester, and I want to see if I can... Um, find any example. So my, my main character is Robin, and she's a she. So I'm going to pick her, and I'll pick uh, Lisa, who is the main healer. So I'll see what it's, it says as their relationship tester. So it brings it up. Um, okay, so for example, it's showing my character towards this Lisa character, and it says possessive, and it has three, three little hearts, which is the, the biggest rating that you can get. <laughs> but then when it shows Lisa going towards my character, it has this kind of like negative little wavy line. It's a touch and go. Oh. And then the, the guy who's setting it says, hello, ulterior motives. <laughs> so oh. I want to see, I want to find like two characters. Let's see. Let me pick him. And where's his friend, Frederick. Let's see what this does. Um, come on. Give me, give me, give me a good, uh, okay. So, 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 for, so uh, Damn it, I went out of it. Let me try again. Yes. Uh, let me pick... The problem is the, 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 the love tester is kind of random sometimes, so you don't always know like what you're going to get. You pick her and her. What do I get from this? This is fantastic podcasting. <laughs> um, okay, that's, that's a negative thing. But like, So you can do this love tester, and it'll, it'll, it'll actually give you um, results that do play up like same-sex relationships and they'll they'll the guy will even make kind of comments that are very much acknowledging that fact but the game itself does not have that kind of like final step of two characters getting married so it's 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 kind of it's kind of weird because there's so much put on 
characters coming together and having relationships and the game lets you do that with anybody but then naturally i i you know i have okay i want him and her together i want him and her together but there are some characters where i'm like i want him and him together or i want her and her together just by nature of like how your brain kind of fills in the rest of the story as to how these characters who they are um because for example there's like a character named sully who is this this female warrior and she's she's um you know she she's i i'm trying to think of how to say this and and not say it in the wrong way but she's she's very masculine in how she acts and how she's presented and and some people were kind of like okay she might be a potential you know lesbian character if if you have a female main character or you know whatever so it almost it almost kind of like the game presents a lot of different character types and some that you might say if you're stereotyping like okay this is this is the gay character or this is the lesbian character you know but it does not allow any of that kind of relationships to happen so it's weird because i'm talking so much about relationships in a game that's a strategy RPG. <laughs> You know, so you think it wouldn't be a big deal, but it's a huge deal. It's it's, it's it reminds me of Persona in that kind of way, where how characters come together and interact with one another becomes a very big deal in this game, because the game is saying that's a big deal and saying it's a big deal about how people team up together and how they they watch over one another and and how those relationships develop. So there is a little bit of disappointment in the fact that that. Okay, it's Nintendo, you know. If any company is is going to be supporting gay marriage in their games, it's probably not going to be Nintendo <laughs> first and foremost. So I understand that that happens, but there is some disappointment on that, that in so many ways you can have these characters, you know, forming these relationships, but then it can't take that marriage step, step because the marriage step has to equal baby yeah. at the end. So... Um, but it's, you know, like, like I said, I'm, I'm not usually, um, super huge in the SRPGs, but I really love this game. And it's, it's a game that if you're typically not into that genre, that it's very easy to get into this game and, um, just fall in love with it. And it's, it's so much fun and there's so much charm to it that all the characters have these great personalities that, that come through in different ways. And the art is fantastic. The character designs are really, really great. There's just so much good about it that if you've been curious about the genre, this would be a fantastic place to start. And I think that's everything I had to say about it. Unless you have any questions. <laughs> are, are, are either one of you interested at all in this game? Oh, yeah. I'm waiting for my copy to arrive. Oh, so, okay, that's right. So you, you, actually, you actually did order yep. it then. Yep. Okay. I am very interested. Are you? Oh. I'm very interested. Yes, it will be my first Fire Emblem too. We're all Fire Emblem versions. Oh right, here. We, we, all, we got ripped on, didn't we? At one point for saying it, yeah. that we had never played one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, all the the relationship stuff is what got me. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. That's what I'd be into. But yeah, but as I was saying earlier, I just gotta say no at some point you know with so many games that i'm buying or you know going back to and yeah just don't have time for it right now but would like a physical copy of it myself too so i'll probably try to order one sooner rather than later just because who knows you know what the stock supply is like it's it's just it's it's funny like 
like how big of a deal I'm finding the relationship aspect to be in games. And if it's not there, like I feel like something's missing. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I, I do, I just do feel like so terrible playing this game sometimes because of like just how much a shipper I'm becoming. Because for example, um, there's Muriel who is this like, um, kind of like very sophisticated, intelligent, um, magic user woman in the game. And then there's there's Rickon. He's like a kind of like younger, inexperienced um, mage who's just kind of coming up, you know. And I'm just like, oh, I can I can totally imagine those two together. And and you know they're they're practicing magic, but she's like the totally dominant one, and he's the submissive kind of type, you know. <laughs> and she's the older woman, and he's the the young experienced, you know, the young experienced a uh, uh, magic user, and and she just overpowers him, and and their relationship is totally the reversal of what you kind of think, you know. And and I'm just like getting I'm getting so into this fantasy stuff, and then I'm like step back and like what am i doing <laughs> why am i getting so into this like why am i making so into like figuring out like what these characters relationships with being but it's it's so much fun because like i said the they have such distinct personalities um but in like like okay so there is this character maribel who's um she's this royal kind of princess and she's best friends with lisa uh who is the main male character's sister so there are these two girls um both kind of like royalty and whatever but the game in the storyline just goes so overboard with saying how much mary bell is is into lisa you know like she's just so into it and they keep pushing that but like i said they they it's weird because i've not seen a game that is so open about letting you kind of have these these same-sex relationships in one way, but like not actually acknowledge that as a option to take. Mm. So, so it's it's it, that's, and that's why it's frustrating too. Is because if if it had had none of that, and if you could only grow these kind of relationships between male and female characters, then you wouldn't even expect that. But it's there, and it's almost at times it's like they just didn't care. Like you wonder if it's if it's progressiveness or laziness, mm. you know. Is like we're just gonna be lazy and, and not put barriers between who can be relationships with who. But uh, but before but anyway. we move on, no, the all important question is who you were gonna pair your character up with. <laughs> um, do you know anything about the characters? I do know a bit. Do you know Do you know who Libra is? No. <laughs> I paired I paired my girl up with him. So she's already married then. Not yet. No. Yet, but. Okay. If if you if you go online and check out who Libra is, you will laugh. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. When, when you find the character, um, part of the problem is the the male characters in this game suck. Oh, like like it's obvious which side, which gender they put their creativity into. At least for me, like it would be interesting. Like 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 for example, you know, you two like seeing what you think of the male characters. Because I think a lot of them are really just like wet rags when it comes to to interest, and I think that the interesting characters are are typically female versus male. Oh. So the the husband pool was not too deep for me when it came to this game. <laughs> I'm looking at Weaver right now. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, I see. He is often mistaken for a woman. Yes. <laughs> so I thought that was a fantastic choice. Um, uh, but, 
but yeah, so I, I said I will be curious to come back to this game later and see what you guys think about the the character roster yeah. because and no, just a lot, a lot of the guys just bored me. So oh, that's too bad. But now it's time for our final segment of the show, and that is the nichiest of them all. And um, we're not going to break tradition this time, so Anne is going to go first. Uh, yes, I'll set the low standard for this <laughs> segment. <laughs> I thought I had a good one this time, but even if I think I have a good one, that probably isn't. But, oh. all right. Uh, the title of the game I picked this this podcast, I was going to say this week, but we're not weekly, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> is Octomania. It is a Wii game. Oh. Oh, I kind of know this, but I don't. I do too, I think. <laughs> oh, it was, uh, mm, Octomania for the Wii. Um, I'm going to guess, like, I kind of feel like I'm wrong, but I feel like I'm right at the same time. I think it's a music rhythm game. Hmm. That's that's oh. that's my guess. That's not what I was gonna guess. Yeah. What is your guess? I thought it was, I thought it was a puzzler of some sort. But that was my second guess. I, I actually feel like I can see the cover art for some weird. Was it released by <laughs> Atlas? And no, I don't think it was. Let me hmm. look at Wikipedia here. No. No. Well, anyway, I'm gonna guess it's a puzzler. I I I I am totally wrong, but I think it's a music <laughs> game. Well, yeah, Brian is right. <laughs> it's a puzzle game. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's octo as an octopus, not yes. like octave. I don't know if you, maybe that's what got you into the rhythm kind of <laughs> tangent. No, but no, no, I knew it was octopus, but there was um. There was a game that like Atlas released that was a we- really weird Japanese music rhythm game that I kind of confused oh. this with. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe that's but. partially what you were thinking of too, Brian. But this says it was uh it says it was published by Conspiracy Entertainment. Maybe that's Japan and then Idea Factory, but that's a oh. Japanese company too. So no, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Uh, Conspiracy was a Western publisher. Oh. Was the Western? I've never heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, um, yes, yeah, so Octomania is a puzzle game. Um, it's a bit like Puyo Puyo in that you're pitted against an, an opponent and you have to beat them by filling their whole screen full of you know, things. Um, I th- think what's funny about this game, actually, is that it's by Compile Heart and Idea Factory, who are known for, like, their kind of <laughs> weird, moe, you know, uh, like, Stuff that, well, they do a lot of visual novels, but they also do, like, they recently, they worked on, um, was it Hyper Dimension, Neptunia, and things like that. So, very kind of weird <laughs> audience, but this is, like, totally cute, but not cute in the weird sort of otaku <laughs> pandering kind of way, just cute. Um, and the premise is adorable. It's about this girl who loves takoyaki, and so she tries to summon some takoyaki for her lunch or something, and instead of getting cooked takoyaki, which is, um, if you're not familiar for listeners, it's a Japanese kind of snack that's basically like a fried, breaded 
piece of octopus and you put mayonnaise and sauce all over it and yes so she loves the, the, the takoyaki and she wants to eat some but instead of getting the final product she ends up with a bunch of octopuses octopi <laughs> and then this goddess or something comes down and says oh to get rid of these octopi you have to go compete in the puzzle challenge and it's like totally random but <laughs> the theme song is in japanese and it's all about takoyaki and how much she loves takoyaki so it's really adorable um and yeah the puzzle i don't know it's a bit hard for me to play it's a bit like puyo puyo and that you've got these little orbs but the orbs are obviously octopi octopi different colored octopi and um you point the cursor at a set of four in a square shape and when you push a it will rotate that that currently selected square counterclockwise and that's how you move them around so they will the different colored octopi will randomly appear on your grid and you have to rotate them around and to form groups of the same color and there will be these little nets that will also appear and the nets will have a number in the middle like three so then you have to get three of the same color in that net to form a chain and then once you have them they all pop and then you could just kind of move all the other octopi of the same color to like when they pop they leave little sparkles on the screen and you move all the ones of the same color to those sparkles and that will form like a really long chain and that chain will send sea urchins over to the enemy <laughs> and that's how you and that's how you beat them <laughs> so it's very strange a bit hard to play but it, it's very cute so if you're looking for a cute cheap wii game Huh. Yeah, I was gonna ask because like I, I'm really into puzzle games like this. Like I was huge into Puyo Puyo. Yeah. Um. So like, I, you know, having a, a game where you have to point the Wiimote at the screen and move it around that way, like that that kind of worries me. Yeah. Like, like, oh, you can is, you can it, play it, it sideways. Enough? You can play it sideways okay. like normal. Yeah, I tried playing it pointer style and it was just awful. <laughs> but okay. yeah, okay. you can go yeah. Just, switch it to regular you hold it sideways and do the directional buttons normally huh. so which is much better yeah if you want to be serious about it but i found that it's quite easy um i haven't had much of a problem with it whereas puyo puyo for me is very difficult i never do very well but this one i've been able to beat the story mode and it's got like a scenario mode for each character it's much like Puyo Puyo where you've got all these cute characters my favorite is this Kappa who thinks he's like the most beautiful man in the world <laughs> but <laughs> so you can select the character and they'll each have their own little story of how they go through the tournament and oh, yeah so it's quite fun uh used it is uh three dollars and 81 cents on Amazon oh uh, there you go <laughs> so Yes, so if you're interested. Uh, I, so think, I think it would be worth $3.81 <laughs> just to try. The voiceovers are really awful, though. They're like, I, I don't know, they just pick some kid <laughs> off the street to do them. It like, but <laughs> uh, Brian? Okay. Uh, so this will probably end up seeming like a very off-the-wall choice, but um, my choice is a game called Happy Weed. And it was released for the Macintosh. I don't know if you want to know when. It's a an oldish game, early nineties. 
Happy weed. Happy weed. Um, are you sure you're not thinking of other recreational things (laughs) that are not video games? Um, I, like, I've grown up on a Mac, so I've played some weird Mac games, but I have never in my life heard of Happy Weed. So I'm going to say I'm, uh, if I'd make a guess, it's a, okay, can I at least ask what country it came from? Oh, well, I'm fairly certain it's American, but I I don't know that off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure. Then I am going to guess it is a game, like a puzzle game based around mowing your lawn. (laughs) Okay. And? Uh, I guess I have also not heard of this one, so I have absolutely no idea. Um... Yeah, I was going to say it was something like, yeah, plant farming simulator. I don't know, like, uh, what is this? Um, I can't even think of my example. Farmville or something like that. But, yeah, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, actually, Shidoshi, you were close with your first comment. Um, It's actually a Pac-Man clone where you are a little, I don't know if you're supposed to be a teenager, Um, you run around and collect pot leaves, and you (laughs) run away from the police, and after you catch all the, after you grab all the pot leaves, you go on to the next level. And the funny thing about this one is that I played it, um, my friends and I used to spend our lunch hours in the high school computer lab, and we were obsessed with this game. For probably a year. I mean, like most of a year. And, you know, every time the teacher came in, we'd all either have to shut off our computers or it would be confiscated. Um, Anyway, I just remember having a really good time with it. And the funny thing was, I could, for like the last month, I've been thinking of it and I could not remember the name. And it took so many Google searches to find, because you put in like, you know, pot, Mac game and all these (laughs) games. And I'm like, no, that's not the game I'm thinking of. Anyway. So I always I always hate that because like like you can remember the game but you have no idea what the name was yeah. and it's like it's it's like how do you find it at that point? yeah and all I knew, I was like it was a Pac Man clone that's all I could remember about it was that you ran around and you collected pot leaves and anyway so <laughs> there you go wow yeah I, there there was a uh, like an iOS port it looks like of this I think uh, they t- I think they tried I think it like yeah they took it but down anyway. <laughs> That's that's really funny. Um, okay, I don't know. I don't know. Like like I uh, I don't know if you guys are gonna know this one or not, but it's a fun choice, and we'll find out. Uh, it is a PS2 release, and the title is Magic Pangle. Magic Came out from uh, Age Tech, originally by Taito. <laughs> originally from Japan, it is a Japanese game released in English here in America. Um, I, I will give you the subtitle, since you guys don't seem to know, is Magic Pangle, The Quest for Color. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, the, the really sad thing is I do feel like I've heard the name before, but that's all I could say. Every, uh, I'm going to stick with the theme today, and I'm going to say it's a puzzle game, but that's all I can say. I have no idea. Hmm. And uh, I have no idea. I feel like <laughs> I've heard of it too, but that could 
just be me associating other names, you know, that yeah. sound similar. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Pengol is the name of a penguin who is searching Ooh. the Antarctic <laughs> for colors. <laughs> searching the Antarctic for gold. That is a fantastic <laughs> idea, but it is completely wrong. <clears throat> so this is a... Uh, I would kind of the closest thing I would say would be a Pokemon clone. Oh, wow. um, But what you do is instead of finding monsters, you find color. Uh, so you, you find paint in the world. You're giving paint. And what you do is you draw your monster that you're going to fight with. And you draw it in 2D, and then it comes to life in three dimensions. Um, but when you start off, you don't you 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 also have like body parts, but you don't get all the body parts at first. So let's say that that you first have just the body body part, and you have only a small amount of like brown paint. So let's say you draw what looks like a, like, looks like a, a potato, and then like add two eyes to it, and so now your monster is like this potato monster, right? <laughs> and all it can all it can kind of do because it has no arms and legs, and kind of like hop around and bounce on stuff. So you go and you fight other monsters, and as you fight these other monsters, you earn some of the paint that they had. And that gives you more options to draw more things, and then you unlock more body parts. So as you go along, you can unlock like the head, arms, legs, uh, claws, and things like that. And so you get more paint, more options, and you can draw these bigger and bigger monsters to do your battles with. Um, so it's really, really cool because, like I said, you're you're drawing your your monster. So whatever you want to do, you just draw it and it comes to life. And that's one of the fun parts. But one of the other fun parts is as you're going through, since you haven't unlocked body parts, um, you'll start thinking, all right, I'm going to have this. I'm gonna draw this cool, like, like big cat monster, you know. All right, here's here's the cat head and the cat legs and and body and the tail and everything. But you don't think about the fact that you haven't unlocked all the parts, so the game doesn't really know like what the legs are. <laughs> so it kind of try to tries to animate the monster you've drawn based on what it thinks the different body parts are. So you'll have this 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 like cat, but he's contorting in really freakish ways <laughs> because you haven't unlocked all the leg parts yet so it's like it's the whole back half of his body is just like moving up and down like one gigantic <laughs> leg or something you know um but it's like such so much fun because you're you're getting to make your monsters and put your monsters directly in the game uh and it had a sequel what was the let me see because magic pangle what was the sequel called uh that was a quest for color the sequel... Oh, and actually, uh, Studio Ghibli actually helped work on this huh. game. I did not know that. Wow. What was this, the sequel? Um, oh, Graffiti Kingdom. Graffiti Kingdom was a sequel. Huh. That was also for PS2. Um, so yeah, like I have no idea how, how easy it is to find this game at this point. Uh, but it's, it's just... It's, a lot of fun it's really interesting and it's all about creativity you know you're, you're unlocking these paints so you can be more creative and you can design your own monsters and and characters and everything and and it just is that it's it's another one of these these kind of like tulip was like these these wacky ps2 games that that were very original and and we don't see a lot of anymore and i think especially like on the ds this would be a perfect game yeah. and there was that there wasn't that one that came out like on the the eShop. I know oh, you. Yeah, um, Freaky Forum. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it sounds very similar to Freaky Forum. 
yeah, so I, I'm 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 pretty sure it's kind of the same kind of idea, where where you get you know pieces or 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 colors or whatever, and you can like make your own kind of creations. Mm. So, um, let me see real quick. Let me see if Amazon even has this. I don't know if it would or not. Um, Magic Pango. Uh, it's just eleven bucks for a used copy of Magic Pango, oh. or uh, like looks like eighteen dollars for a used copy of the sequel graffiti kingdom so yeah you know like i said I, I this is another game i would love to see come to the the downloads for the ps3 just because it was uh you know very underappreciated when it came out but it's it's just a lot of fun and it's a game that you know kids can enjoy but adults can have have you know enjoyment from too so and you know what i think that's our show <laughs> Is there anything else real quick you want to say before I, I hang up on both of you? Uh, I'm good. <laughs> Happy weed. Yes, it's just Can't nice talking with Brian. you two again. I thought, I, thought, I, I thought this was a nice, proper show, and then you... Not only do you cuss this week, but then you also pick Happy <laughs> Weed as your game. Well, you know, I gotta throw a wrench into the works now and then. Yes. <laughs> You're, you're, you're the bad boy of our, of our podcast. <laughs> that's right? saying something, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how that's yeah that's that's how that's how pathetic we all are. Is that you you are the you are the bad boy of the show. Um, but no, thank you again for being here. It was a lot of fun, and I know that our listeners will be happy that we have another show out. And this time, I think we'll try again to get a show out quicker. Yes. So March, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. March will be March will be kind of crazy because there's of course um, PAX East and some other stuff going on, but we will we will find time to do a show. Yeah, we'll have to talk right? about the lovely PS4 announcement, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. And all of the niche games that are coming to it. I don't know. <laughs> are they going to put the Last Guardian on it? They better. <laughs> I I think at this point, Last Guardian and uh, Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen both yes. will be on yes. this. Yeah. And those are not at all niche in any <laughs> kind of way whatsoever. No, so we will not be talking about them. <laughs> but you know what? We'll talk about it maybe a little bit because there will be niche games for that system. There will always be out there. Right? I agree. Yes. Yep. Well, then for, uh, for Anne and for Brian, this is Shidoshi, and this has been uh, episode five of the, as we say in America, nichiest <laughs> podcast ever. <laughs>